y'all. Welcome to the Preaching to the Choir podcast with your host, me, Jen Randall. My guest is my good friend, Mr. Mark Myers. Mark was the director at Wabonzi Valley High School for a number of years, which is probably where you recognize him if you know him from show choir circles. But he began his career and is now continuing it after taking some years to do doctoral study at UCLA with the Chicago Children's Choirs. So we're going to talk about that part of his career as well. We talk about CCC. We talk about Mosaic at Wabonzi. We talk about Soundcheck. We're going to talk about SCA. We're going to talk about Ty Tribbett and gospel music. We talk about everything. So please enjoy this extended episode featuring my friend, Mr. Mark Myers. Talk about your path from DeKalb to becoming a show choir professional. And you can start okay. way back at infancy if you need to. <laughs> well, I don't need to start at infancy, but oh, wow, it's a long time. Um, yeah, so I was, I grew up in Auburn, Indiana. So I went to DeKalb Middle School, it would have been my first show choir experience um, in the Midpoint Show Choir. Nice. We were all costumed in primary colors. We got swatches and we went to like, we got to buy our own like outfit. That's amazing. Also, that's we were the 90s. With, we were sent with fabric swatches. <laughs> I think I got my costume at like the children's place. Do you remember that store? Do you know like, oh yeah, you know? they still had that even until a couple of years ago. Yes, I have children's clothing <laughs> for my own children from there, yes. So, I mean, it was a big step up to the classic connection when I was a freshman in high school. I guess. Um, and Shelly Johnson is like, I. she is my heart. Like yeah. I owe her my entire life. Yeah. Um, an amazing woman. So she was my director who taught me music and about 500 other subjects as well. Mm-hmm. Real life. And I met Dwight Jordan um who also is like a surrogate parent in so many ways was he your choreographer um, yes he okay. was a choreographer okay yes I so see. fall of am i supposed to give dates yeah you can sure i mean, <laughs> ah. I mean how old do you want people to know you are i guess so that would have been fa- i'm not afraid of my age there I'm you go 41. there you I'm go i'm 41 and fabulous everybody That's right um so, fall of 1993 would have been my start with Shelly and with Dwight both. Yeah, so I was involved in show choir there, Classic Connection, for four years. I started, um, I would play piano for the girls' show choir, actually. Many times, actually, I would leave Spanish class. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I got all my Spanish work done, I would run downstairs and play for the girls' show choir. Um, and... Also probably pertinent is that uh, Shelly was so wonderful. I really had a lot of opportunity to run sectional rehearsals, yeah. like um, write arrangements, actually. The ballad from our senior competition show, I actually arranged. Wow. Um, and I arranged a couple things for the girls, even maybe when I was a junior. Oh my Anyways, God. so that was really 
so, I mean, that was an incredible experience for me. I bet. Um, and so much so, this is a great story. Um, our, we always had uh, rehearsals during winter break. Okay. Always. Yep. Um, and for some reason, my senior year, Shelly and her husband, Kent, which if you don't know the Johnsons, like they uh-huh. are literally like a force, the two of them together. He's yep. like the best show choir hubby that anyone, human, right? Like, yeah, he yeah. did. They did community theater together. Yeah. I think that might be how they met, yeah. honestly. Um, he is the greatest. I mean, oh, they went on vacation and we were like, what is our life? What are you doing? Like, <laughs> Do we not have rehearsal? <laughs> can't be a thing. So she left and we had rehearsal. Good for you. Without her. Good for keeping it so rolling. So <laughs> just, yeah. Um, but I'm saying like that's, I mean, those kinds of the trust that she had. Yeah. It wasn't just me. I mean, there were a couple of us that were in charge. Yeah. Was really like critical in me knowing that I, you know, like I wanted to this was fulfilling to me yeah. and I enjoyed not necessarily being in charge, but I mean, I think for most, I think if it's approached the right way, I always said this to my seniors when I was teaching, like the senior year is the year that you give, like you've gotten so much yeah. that now you have the skills to be able to give back. That service so oriented thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. I found great like fulfillment in that giving back uh, to the point that I wanted to continue. And I, you know, I, Honestly, I wanted to be a teacher from really early on. Yeah. Like I, it's hard. It was sometimes hard for me to counsel my high school students <laughs> in career paths because I have a horrible example of like my dream when I was in third grade was to be a teacher. <laughs> and I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and I became a teacher, which is not normal. Is like it not? everybody's, I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> so it's hard to counsel kids when they're so nervous about mm-hmm. making the wrong decision and be able to tell them you can change your mind everybody changes your mind yes i made up my mind in second grade yeah i um, didn't change my mind but i hear people can do that <laughs> <laughs> um no but in eighth grade i always tell everyone this i loved well i loved math like all yeah. through school and i had a really amazing algebra teacher in eighth grade and so my dream at that point was to be a math teacher. Oh, God um, bless you. Somebody needs which to be. shocks everyone. And then, but then like, I mean, freshman year of high school, when you get in that situation where you have really amazing teachers and like our band program was huge. I was yeah. doing marching band, jazz band, concert band, pep band, show choir, like every, theater, yeah. playing piano for kids that sold ensemble and playing for the girls show choir. Like it just... Uh, that was my place. Yeah. Like, this is my happy place. It was your life, yeah. So it was like, if I'm, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to give kids something that, like, changed my life. And I don't, there are times that I wonder how I would have even made it through those years. Because being sure. a teenager is tough. Like, mm-hmm. it's brutal. Kids that and don't have that home base. I don't, I genuinely don't know how you do that. I have no idea. Yeah. Literally no mm-hmm. idea. Well, and if you started, so you graduated high school in what, like 97? 90, yeah, 97. Okay. So you're a part of that whole crew of that age group that would have known each other even in high school at SCA. Jennifer. Like, yeah, and Gulfic, Randy and Amy Steven. Gulfic, and, Steven Todd, uh-huh, Randy. Yeah. Corey Anderson and I are the same age. Okay. Yep. Hard to tell. Um, 
And you both look excellent. I don't know what you No, doing. there's like a monumental. It was like my senior year at Mount Zion, I think, where literally it's like half the staff of show choir camps was all in that like finals. It's kind of nuts, honestly. And that's I, I'm that age. Like I'm on the younger side of that. But I'm, I mean, I'm 39. So I graduated in 99. But my school didn't start going to SCA until the year after I graduated. So I didn't have the SCA experience in, co- in high school. But I'm the same age as all y'all. And it's just so cool to me to think about what that must have been like for you guys to know each other in high school and to still be working together in this profession at this time. And Stephen and I were in in Verda and Marty's group together. Oh, I love that. Like Darren Dale and I were in that. I was always in Verda and Marty's group. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) My teacher let me just be in the same group all the time. Why not? Yeah. Oh, but the funny story about show choir camp, the one weird experience I had not weird, just out of the ordinary, yeah. is that one summer I got a phone call in July from my mom was like, it's Dwight Jordan. I was like, why is Dwight Whoa, okay. Jordan calling my house? Like, And he said, well, Verda's accompanist canceled at the last minute and we don't really have anyone to play. So would you play for her? group and i was like um sure but then you couldn't um, sing and dance right well so i was an accompanist oh. that week at ohio oh oh i've got you he called me in okay. july yes after you're already done the illinois show which you already knew because you were in that group so i knew the show already. that's dwight's thinking like I, I knew the show already yeah and he was confident that i could yeah. play for a group at camp as a 16 year old so so you've been on staff at SCA since you were a wee babe, essentially. I have a crazy Verda story, actually, from when I was in high school. Edgewood came to our invitational to right. Cal, and she left. Oh, my God. I love her so much. I think today's her birthday, actually. Is it really? How random. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Happy birthday to the queen. Yes, that's right. Edgewood was coming to the DeKalb invitational, and she somehow left the piano player in Ellettsville. <laughs> like <gasps> they weren't on the bus and what? nobody noticed. Oh my God. So somehow they didn't need an accompanist for music warehouse, which is the mixed group, but they needed an accompanist for sophisticated ladies. <laughs> okay. And Verda was like, Mark, we need to, I think I was a junior in high school uh-huh. and she was like, we left our accompanist will you play for I was like oh my god like what is happening like is a, sh- a show choir icon is asking me to like sight read her show and were you like group. excited or were you just terrified out of your mind well the all that jazz was the only song they couldn't find a copy to so we pulled what? a copy from like DeKalb's library but it was in the wrong key so I remember that you I went with the combo. that? <laughs> oh, my god! I went with the combo, and we were in the girls' dressing room at DeKalb. <laughs> and so I had one rehearsal with the combo before their show. And I had to sight-read all this music, but I was sight-reading slash transposing oh the god. wrong arrangement of all that jazz with cuts. You but survived. I think they won. I, I think they say, won the girls' they division. <laughs> yes, I really think they did. Um, that literally sounds like a dream someone tells you when they're like, I had the worst dream of my life last night. Listen to this. Like, please sight transpose jazz 
into a different was, key with cuts. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> We're competing. Sorry. So that's a, I mean, Verda brought up that. There's so many stories. But <laughs> so I went to college. Yeah. In Naperville, Illinois, because at that time, Dwight was directing a show choir there. What college? Um, North Central College. Okay. Okay. Yes, yes. And so we had a show choir called NCC Express. Mm-hmm. And that's not like the sole reason I went there. Sure. Um, I also looked at a couple other schools. Bob Hills was at Eastern Illinois University mm-hmm. and he was really well respected. Right. And I did, I knew I definitely wanted to go somewhere where show choir was a part of it somewhere, or at least yeah. that it was respected because that's not a thing. Not a, at not the collegiate level. No, not really. Um, so yeah, but I went to North Central. I met Dr. Ramona Wiss. Um, who ended up being another fabulous mentor of mine Mm -hmm. and Pete Martinez Mm -hmm. on the choral faculty there. And I loved them so much and they showed me the money. So um, a private school, but you know, sometimes those places have a lot of, um, a lot of resources there. So I was lucky to, you know, do academically well. And because I could play piano and sing and, and music math. ed and <laughs> all those things math, that yes <laughs> i was yeah i got several scholarships so it made it possible yeah um so i went to north central and so dwight was the show choir director there and i again with him came a lot of the same things as shelly right um actually he would have to leave when he would do shows in branson mm-hmm. oh yeah 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 he would leave and I would basically just have to take over doing the show choir, which started when I was a freshman in college. Yep. So during that time, I kept doing arrangements for DeKalb and I started doing choreography. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something I did not know about you until a couple of years ago. I was like, what? Oh, I used to Mark do a lot of choreography. Yeah. I hung up my dance and shoes a couple of years ago. Though. No, you danced last year at the 40th anniversary. I mean, yeah, I mean, choreographer shoes, though. <laughs> Right. Um, Dance and shoes stay out forever. There was also a time in college where, because this is another show choir connection. Yeah. Um, a time in college where my middle school choir director took a pregnancy leave during December and we had all December off. Sure. So I went and subbed when I was in oh. college. I can't remember how old I was even at DeKalb Middle School, but um, one of the, a seventh grader at DeKalb Middle School at that time was Alex Hall. Yes, I was I was going to say, I figured that was maybe where that was going. Um, he and I, of course, when I talked to him, we discussed the fact that you're from there as well, which is crazy. And his brother, yeah. Eric, is Eric, a yeah. pro dancer out in L.A. So, like, all three of you came from DeKalb, which is kind of nuts because it's not that big of a And then, school. like, a bunch of guys around Alex's age, you know, all went to Branson yeah. and did stuff with Dwight. And there's, like, a lot of them are still there. Yep. Isn't that so crazy? It, it just gets those pockets of that kind of stuff. When you when you graduated from college, what was your first teaching job? My first teaching job was at Chicago Children's Choir. Okay, so you uh, were not in a school, a formal school. It setting. was well, it was a charter school. Okay, they had opened a charter school called the Choir Academy, and the age range was fourth through sixth grade. The kids had a long day of school because it was basically like school, including like a before and after school program. So I oh, think wow. they came at eight and they were done at five. Ooh. But they did like, um, using the word academics is problematic, so I'm not going to do that. They did the boring <laughs> subjects. Yes. 
from 8 to 10, and then at 10 to 12-ish, they did a rotation of, like, voice class. Okay. Uh, hand drumming, like a drumming class, piano lab. Very cool. And, like, a general music composition type class. Sure. Like, every child in the school did this rotation in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. I love that. Then they had boring things again in the after not boring yeah i just <laughs> we know we all get it i we have understand. to say something other than right. academics or core because those are literally a slap in the face to yes the arts which unfortunately the arts aren't easily quantifiable so it there's just a whole societal philosophical conversation that we could just go into about all of that but anyways you're welcome to get on that soapbox later if you'd like to well we know that we really grow children in ways that are deep and meaningful but not necessarily measurable but how do you um, test a standardized test about that mark i don't know you don't. how we would ever know that pendulum is gonna swing back soon I and i too i have a feeling i wonder if COVID is a part of that mm-hmm. pendulum swing it will be. It 100% um, will be. They had to get rid of testing in, I think, almost every state this year. Exactly right. So now we're already done with it. Let's just not bring the it The UC, folks. University of California schools are no longer using SAT. I saw that. ACT. I think they're doing their own test in lieu of it. Which is but also I don't problematic. Know the but yeah. Of the test. But um, at least it's getting away from the money making machine that is the college board, which now we're yeah. just getting off on that tangent. But yes, yes. So all of the things you're saying, yes. And then they, yes, yes, they yes. took some boring subjects, so, as we said. <laughs> let me go back to one more formative show choir thing. Yeah. So Janu- it was January 2001. Okay. I was in co- my senior year of college, and it was another like joint phone call of someone canceling, but someone canceled for critiquing at Mount Zion. Oh. Okay. And Jeff Gimar was newly the director there, that I believe. That would be about right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Heather Pistorius was the assistant, and Dwight is like, Mark, I know that you can do this. Like, I really think you can do this, and you're the best. God, I love him. I, yeah. I almost start crying when I think about well, Dwight too much. This the... sounds sappy, but like, no, look at all the steps he gave you in your life to get you where you are. That, like, to be 20, well, 21, it would have mm-hmm. been 21. And for him to say, like, yeah, you can totally, you're the, the most qualified person I can think of yeah. to go fill in this, like, canceled critique spot of, like, on Alaska and Eisenhower Elite Energy yeah. and, like, some big Twinsburg players. Great Expectations. Yep. And, like, what? I'm like, are you sure? So anyways, I mean, that was pivotal for me because it just... Absolutely. I don't know. It kind of got me into that world and it was... Yeah, it was really amazing. That was a really amazing experience. That is, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I went to work for the Children's Choir at this, like, utopian school that I described. Right. Um, in Chicago. It was on the south side of the city. Okay. Um, we served mostly... South side and west side kids. Mm-hmm. Um, the population was like somewhere in 85% black, 10% okay. um, Latinx, mm-hmm. 5%. I hate to would say other, but I mean, there were white students. Instance, yes, you can. Yeah, in the yeah. students, it is the other, which I actually shouldn't, I shouldn't hesitate to say that because there are so many folks, there's so many instances where the coin is flipped and the oh, other groups I mentioned are the other. becomes so the other, yes. Mm-hmm. I just kind of 
yeah, it just kind of gave you a little bit of whiteness in that state. There you myself. go. <laughs> so that 5%, you know, there were white kids, yeah. there were um, Asian kids, South Asian, like there's a Indian brother and sister who are fabulous. Yeah. Prince Anchan, I'll never forget him. Oh, I love it. Um, cutie patootie yeah uh but that's really the first time in my life that i was in a really culturally diverse For sure. setting mm -hmm. in terms of socioeconomic in terms of race and ethnicity yeah. um like everything mm -hmm. and it and i i mean i was in the minority yeah. and i was working for this organization that was founded in the civil rights movement in 1956 yeah in hyde park which was historically back then a very like black and white yeah. neighborhood mm -hmm. and the reverend at the Unitarian church, which you know anything about Unitarian values, like yeah. it, it makes sense that that's where that started. Exactly. Um, but the reverend Christopher Moore started this choir cause he wanted, he saw the divide between whites and blacks in that neighborhood on the South side, which okay. is where the university of Chicago is there. Like they're very interesting things about that Hyde park right. neighborhood. It's, yeah. it's on the shore. Um, of Lake Michigan. It's, mm -hmm. it's a really cool, interesting neighborhood and, and continues to be today. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, to be a part of an organization that literally this is founded out of the civil rights movement. Yeah. The goal is to bring together children of diverse backgrounds, um, through music so mm -hmm. that they understand each other. When you, when, when people make music together and we can all, everybody can attest to this. I think no matter what, Diversity is a loaded word. Like it, it can yeah. mean so many things, um, mm -hmm. and it's not just a race thing. Right. And it should. It's just a multi-dimensional word. Mm -hmm. So even if you do go to, I mean, a school honestly, like I went to, which I literally just looked up the Census Bureau statistics for Auburn, Indiana, ninety-eight point seven percent white. I would have nothing. Assumed, yeah. Nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It, it is what it is. It, I was just going to um, say, it is what it did, is. But yeah. that means, but we saw diversity in our school of students. I mean, just as the human population yeah, is humans diverse. are diverse. Yeah. So <laughs> the jocks and the geeks and the, you know, yeah. those early 90s, mid-90s clicks. Yep. <laughs> that I feel like actually are broken down a little bit more today than they were then. I do not which see I those think, lines as clearly divided in no, my teaching now. As, that's what I love about millennials and Gen Z and mm -hmm. everybody knocks them. Mm -hmm. And I say they're amazing humanitarians that yeah. need to guide. And the, right now they, they are. They're, they're finally they're figuring like, that out. Yeah. We're done with you old people. Yeah. And we're going to fix all this. I'm and I find it. that incredibly yes. exciting. Yes. And that's why I'm hopeful at this time, actually with everything that's going on. Yeah. So, um, so off topic. So it's I not mean, though. I it's think all related. Everyone, yeah. everyone can relate that music brings diverse people together. Yeah. Yeah. In the high school show choir, it may not be a diverse, you may not have diverse races in that classroom, but you have diverse like thoughts. You have diverse interests. You have diverse. The way they grew up. And, the, and you bond with those people yeah. in a mm -hmm. way that's indescribable. Yeah. So, but the tangible, like really specific mission of Chicago Children's Choir is to bring together children and its inception okay. was to bring children of different races together in okay. this incredibly polarized yeah, time racial, in Chicago yeah. in an extremely segregated, the, the engineering of Chicago was very intentional and in mm -hmm. that it segregated races along lines of expressways, well. yeah. train lines, yeah. um, types of housing. Mm -hmm. um, when the great mi migration 
came up from Mississippi and Alabama, primarily into Chicago. Mm -hmm. And this whole not in my backyard thing, you know, rears its ugly head and you have to find places to cordon off um, people of color when they Mm -hmm. move into the city. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole other long, we could have an hour long thing about that too. Mm -hmm. So it was my first experience with that. I learned a lot from those children. Like they taught me, Oh, I yeah. had to I imagine. So part of that the the repertoire implications of that philosophy are that you do the the music of of cultures that are representative of the diversity. Yes. And so that you learn more about people in that way. So if I Go had smart. a majority um black student population mm-hmm. then I need to, it's my job to teach, well, it's, it's two things. It's, I, it's my job to teach black students about black culture, mm-hmm. regardless of if I'm white, green, purple, regardless brown, race, yellow yeah. spots. Mm-hmm. That's my duty as a teacher is to teach children about their own culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's number one. But then the students of other cultures need to learn about each other's yes, culture. You know yes, I mean? absolutely. That's where the cultural exchange happens. Yes. So, I mean, I was thrust into that at the age of 22 and I had to learn. I had to yeah. go to church with people on the South side. I saw one of my, one of my students who is, I still am in touch with and he was in fifth grade at the time, Philip Armstrong with some, he went to Milliken. Okay. He was in Chicago Children's Choir. He's going to perform in this concert that I'm putting together for next Friday. Yeah. Along, It's not just me putting it together. It's a team effort. Right. Um, but he was directing, like, the adult church choir <laughs> at St. Benedict the African Catholic Church in Englewood. And did you say he was fifth grade? And he was in fifth grade. He stood <laughs> on a box. I love it. <laughs> so I went to church to go see him yeah. and support him, but also to learn. Yeah. My colleague, um, George Cooper, Geo. He was a graduate of Fisk University, which is the original um, historically black college in the United States Mm -hmm. during the Reconstruction era. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was in the Fisk Jubilee Singers and he taught piano at the school. I will never forget when his father passed because, of course, I was going to go support him. But I'd never been to a, a homegoing celebration on the south side of Chicago in a black church mm-hmm. and i i had to face a lot of i had to face a lot of difficulties with myself um and confront my own whiteness in that and during that time uh, yeah um because I, I had children that i cared about deeply and what i had grown up with from media from uh, just a really white community where you just make you make guesses about mm-hmm. what this group of people is like or what that group of people yes. is like who you don't really know because you don't have a way to know also. and those guesses are informed from a number of places education um media enough, yeah all kinds of things so mm-hmm. just i mean without going into too much detail you could imagine what my view was and then all of a sudden like these are my kids yeah and I, man, I like, I grew up a ton in two years Mm -hmm. and I had to be really honest with myself about 
my thoughts and beliefs and assumptions that I made about people that were unfair. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh God, I can't, (laughs) it's hard for me to talk about this, but, um, but it's important that you do, because I think that there are so many people, especially, especially right now who are walking through the beginnings of that, um, awakening that you're talking about. You had, you had it at 22. Some people haven't been confronted with it yet and are finally now learning some of those things that you learned. And, yeah, it's it's going to be awkward and it's going to be tough and there's going to be weird moments for you. Like, but so, you're on the other I don't want to say you're on the other side of it because I think it's a lifelong no, I mean, learning we're always, process. Lifelong. It's a it's a lifelong growing process and like check yourself. But you've learned so constantly. much and I think that's good for you. I mean, I feel like I'm in a different place now right. and I'm not you know, you're a different person I'm than you were not at trying to come off like some kind of I'm not perfect. We're all working on things. Yeah. I know that I'm I know I feel more enlightened as a person Mm -hmm. for sure right now than I did when I was 22 years old. Right. Right. So those, they're pivotal experiences like that, that were really important for me and getting to know those families and actually like getting a lot of love from those families and respect Mm -hmm. when I, when they knew that I respected their music and their history, like their, the, I mean, some of the most loving, supportive parent like interactions I have ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I always feel like I have supportive, loving parent, but the, I mean, it just was so man, like it just flipped my and world these would have been your in the first best experiences kind of way. with that as well. So those were extra formative in that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a tumultuous time in itself, no matter Absolutely. what. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. I continued to do show choir stuff. I was coming back to the cab a lot mm-hmm. uh, and helping rehearse, like writing arrangements, choreographing right. for um, Sound Sensation, which was the girls' show mm-hmm. choir. I would help, um, like after Dwight left, with you know staging things right. and fixing things. And I mean, if people knew how like non-ego he is, I mean that's it's like in my twenties I was. You know, he's like, here's the material, do it and make it work. Mm-hmm. And if you had to change something or reblock something on your own, like he respected that. And yeah. I know there are other people that like flip out and lose there their are mind. Other people, yes. And to me, Dwight Jordan is like, <laughs> right. If you're going to mess sorry. with Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want to start ranking people, but he's in the it's upper echelon. Yeah. Let's say that. Mm hmm. That's fair. Anyways, so I kept arranging. I was choreographing. I started choreographing more for like some middle school groups and mm-hmm. other things. So after two years at the choir academy, um, let's just say I had some personnel disagreements with okay. some folks in the building that had power over me and my future. Mm-hmm. So I decided to explore options. Sure. So I, when I was in college... I did not my student. Oh my God. There's so many stories. So my student teaching oh, in yeah, college. Dad, did you do that? <laughs> I did. And the beginning of my student teaching was at Eisenhower junior high school in Darien, Illinois. Okay. And my cooperating teacher was Judy Hanson. Oh, hey. Um, and then the second part of my student teaching was at a high school called Wheaton Warrenville South high school. I did not know um, that. Who was there at the yeah. time? Um, Gordon Krauske, who okay. just retired recently mm-hmm. as the longtime choral director there, mm-hmm. um, he worked with John, um, and with John Berlase, yep. and 
Pete Leo was the second director at that time. Okay. And he did classics, and it was actually a class during the day, I think. Yeah. Um, and Nancy Botrek was the choreographer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and we had some really pivotal bonding moments. Oh, I'm sure. At that time, too. I didn't really, I really only knew Nancy from afar, mm-hmm. I think, until that experience. And Bill Burr. Because yeah. he always played for all the concerts. Right. Oh, anyways. So before student teaching, I, my junior, like, practicum, you know, when mm-hmm. I was taking high school methods, mm-hmm. was at a high school called Wabonzi Valley High School in Aurora. Oh, Illinois. so you did a practicum um, there. Okay. I, 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 all of my life, I feel like, has weird, <laughs> nothing's an accident. Let's just say <laughs> just that. Leading back to, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. So at the, at, at, Towards the end of my year, my second year at the choir academy with Chicago Children's Choir, um, I got an email from John DeGroote, who was my cooperating teacher for my practicum. Okay. And he said, we have, I don't know if you're looking, right. or if you would ever be interested, but we have an open position at Wabonzi Valley. And I was like, well, as a matter of fact. I might um, be, yeah. And then I also was, this is aside from show choir, but I was approached by Emily Ellsworth, who was then the artistic director of the Glen Ellen Children's Chorus, okay. yeah. um, which was a, rig- a really well-known, like Doreen Rao yes. was yes. the like mm-hmm. very well-known artistic director of Glen Ellen Children's Chorus. We have to, yeah. lots of music in our choral libraries. It's choral music experience, mm-hmm. Doreen Rao. Yep. That all came from Glen Ellen Children's Chorus, who was an influential yes. um, ensemble in the children's chorus movement in the United States. Um, so I went to, yeah, so I applied for this job at Wabonzi. Right. There was a choir at Wabonzi. I knew that it was a good choral program because I had, you know, done my practicum there. Sure. Um, there was a conduct, there was a director there who worked with John DeGroote um, by the name of Eugene Rogers. Okay. Um, who is now director of choral activities at the University of Michigan. That's Dr. Eugene say. Rogers. Isn't that who that is? Who yeah. replaced Jerry Blackstone. Yeah. So Eugene is no joke. No, like, yeah, <laughs> just casual. So when Eugene was at Wabonzi Valley, which was a fairly diverse high school for the Naperville yeah. Aurora area at that time, mm-hmm. there was a concern from the then department chair that there were the choral program could reflect a little bit more um, diversity in terms of the student body. Okay. So Eugene came in and Eugene started this choir called the Unity Chorus. Okay. Um it was an after-school choir. I think there were about 100 kids in it. Um, they auditioned to be in it, but it was open to the whole school. Okay, and that's it cool. focused on music of the world, mm-hmm. but also, like, music of the Black experience sure. um, and his identity as a Black choral conductor and teacher. Yeah. Um, gospel music and then music from the African diaspora on top of many other types of music kind of centering around the theme of unity, but having that, like, oh, multicultural is also a problematic word, but the use of music that's representative of yes. many different origins and cultures. Um, so when I interviewed for that job, there had Eugene had not been there for four years. That choir was literally, like, one of the most well-known things in the school. Yeah. It was crazy successful. And they were, like, doing gigs all over wow. and, like, all kinds of things. And um, they, the principal who was interviewing me said, 
like asked if I knew about the unity course and I was like, yes. And she mm-hmm. said, well, we want, we want that back. <laughs> oh, like good. We want that back. Can you do that? Um, and I was coming out of my experience at Chicago children's choir. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, I think I can do that. I could. Yeah. Um, I think I could do that. Yeah. So that wasn't like my only qualification, but it was strangely. It was a unique skill set that you had that others It was have. like, okay, no, yeah, it was really strangely meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, there was already a swing choir there. Ah, uh, yes. Um, swing choir. And, <laughs> and they were great. And Mr. DeGroot, Mr. DeGroot, John actually went to Western Illinois and Bob Hills was his um, conductor there okay. who was a big name in Illinois mm-hmm. show choir. And a lot of people were in that group. It was, oh, I can't, the newcomers, I think it was okay. called at Western Illinois. And then Bob Hills ended up at Eastern Illinois. And I can't even, I can't remember what that group was called, but um, there were a lot of people that were in that show choir at Western Illinois that then mm-hmm. went out and did, these swing choirs that were modeled off that experience, which was like a smaller, like 20 to 24 member group Mm -hmm. um, that performed with a rhythm section. So that's John's experience. And that's what he brought to Wabanzi, which was, I mean, that was great. Yeah. Um, And that was his happy place. And it was a great thing for those kids and they enjoyed it. Um, I was coming in with a totally different view of what, a show ensemble is yeah mm-hmm. um but i i mean the the unity course thing which i told them I'm like i'm not calling it unity course i was gonna say is that mosaic is that what that became i said i can't live up to that reputation yeah that would be so i came up with my own name mosaic that's mosaic yes okay um and that started as a choir of about 50 kids Which, that's an entire line item for me to talk to you about is mosaic great so it was a great. y'all come saying yeah. 50 kids like if you have a heartbeat well listen if sing. you're listening to this and you have not ever heard a recording of mosaic first of all you can go on mark's facebook page and they had a reunion last year that you can go back and listen to some of those recordings and they're they're stupid amazing well all of their recordings are stupid amazing but you need to go look look up mosaic if you have not ever heard them PSA so, to the universe. Yeah, thank you. Mosaic was my attempt at Unity Chorus at like, so it started as like a fifty-member y'all come sing after school once a week, and then it um, kind of at the height of it, I was auditioning over two hundred kids. That's amazing. From the student body and having to limit it to, I though I took one hundred and fifty one year and it was an Ooh, absolute. I can't even imagine nightmare so many children's oh my goodness oh my goodness i love them no, i love them mosaic... even when they're a nightmare i love them but so i ended up capping at 130 but i would literally cut 80 children what a beautiful I would cut problem 80 to children have, though to I have mean... a choir of 130 so That's it was amazing. a beautiful evolution um there was a small pull-out group from that of 12 that went to south africa mm. that would do gigs all over the place um, Who's saying another, at the gospel brunch at, Har- at the Harvard. mosaic yes. choir? Yeah, <laughs> um, that was the big choir, which was actually one of my damn. There's so many stories. Oh, I can't say damn. Um, I can just put the explicit button if you want to say bad words. <laughs> actually, I don't think it's that bad of word. But no, it's uh, fine. I'm not worried about it. One of the middle school teachers uh, what, during the time I was at Wabanzi is Nick Jansen, oh, who's yeah. now the director of Naperville North. Yep. Entourage and high heeled 
Harmony. Harmony, um, yes. <laughs> but he was a middle school teacher, and I like his students fed into my program, worked for Live Nation, and she came to a concert at Wabanzi, and she, you know, Live Nation is yep. the, you know, promoter for concert House, they own yeah. House of Blues and all that. Mm-hmm. And so she was familiar with with the gospel bunch, and she said to Nick, she was like, oh, my God, this, these high school kids are way better than the groups that we pay to do gospel brunch. <laughs> so that led to like a continued relationship with House of Blues for many years where we would do like Mosaic was the contracted choir to I sing. Just, that's amazing. And the first year it happened, people were so like a lot of people that bought tickets when they found out it was like that's on such high school choir. Yeah. They were mad and like calling the box office Why? and like. Oh, because they hadn't and heard then, it yet. Yeah. They had no idea. They were like, a height we're paying? Yeah. Because it's, it's like a $40 a head. Yes, I have $50 been to a gospel in Dallas, so um, I know, yes. <laughs> so it's not cheap. No. So, but then we put, I got a blo- like lovely emails from these people. I'm sure. So my school email address that was like, we were so mad about a high school choir singing at the gospel bench because we're on vacation to Chicago, uh-huh. you know, for the first time in our daughter's life. And we wanted to take her to that, and your kids are absolutely amazing. I was like, "Oh my god, yay!" You're like, "Good, I'm so glad <laughs> we can do this." Um, so an that's like thing. another, that's another thing. Yeah. Um, so show you, choir. You got to so Wabati, I started with the job. The, I started the Gold Swing Choir, which is a freshman. Okay. Swing Choir, it's because John was doing the other swing choir, and I convinced him like, eh, "Freshmen barely ever make this group." Yeah. So why don't I provide an experience for freshmen since I have the expertise? Sure. So we did that. I had a, a freshman show choir. There were 15 in it the first year. God bless you. And then there were 20 <laughs> of them in it the next year, 10 hey. couples. Um, and, oh, yeah, that second year, one, I mean, one of those girls in that second year is literally in Hamilton Broadway. Oh, I mean, yes, I remember Right now, pictures, but it's... Yeah. It's on hiatus for yeah. now, but um, but what a cool thing! Yeah, Tatanice Wilson. She was yeah. on American Idol, and she was in the freshman swing choir at Wabanzi <laughs> Valley High School with ten couples. You never know, guys. Um, you never know who's in your room. So that no, you literally never know. No, nope. and you never know who you need to encourage and who you. That's and right. uh, flip side of the coin, no matter what profession they go into, or anyways, yeah, side conversations. Um. <laughs> So, so you did after John retired, I had yeah, okay. two years. John retired from Obanzi Valley High School after a storied career of like 30 yeah. plus years. Um, and then that was the point where I decided that we would have a show choir open to all grades that would be larger. Like a large competitive I think ensemble. we started with like 40 kids and I actually beat myself up about the competitive part to be honest as we were making this transition and I'll explain more about that and we would do a girls show choir so we started with 40 members in the and we literally called it mixed show choir it was called oh yeah just mixed yeah mixed show choir (laughs) and um and Wabanzi Valley High School girls show choir who which had 15 members I believe (laughs) they were so cute uh, Melissa O'Neill was one of the members. Oh, I love Melissa. Oh, my gosh. Okay. The freshman. She was a freshman member of the inaugural. Yes. Wabansiva High School Girls Show Choir. Love it. That's what they were called. They did all that jazz. Oh, my God. So many memories. <laughs> so, no, but I up to this point in my career, I had been teaching for four years and doing 
nothing really competitively other than like I would I took my children's park kids to like a city choral festival sure. where yeah and I think I even refused a rating I was like I don't oh, want wow. a rating Just, okay so you were not sure you wanted to do the competitive component of it no because I up to that point I had been teaching without the competitive component and felt completely fulfilled but now I have this like I want to involve more kids I want to do something that's on a larger scale Mm -hmm. I want them to meet other kids from other schools Mm -hmm. I want them to there's so many bonuses there are yeah Mm -hmm. so I fretted about I remember Donna Tallman at Chopra Camp like I had a huge talk with her because I was I didn't want like the love of music to turn into the love of competing and that's a real concern yeah and I was I was very stressed about it Mm. so my sound is probably getting weird yeah so we went so it was WVH's mixed show choir so we did the thing um Dwight came in and choreographed two new things and then he gave me permission to do like an old what did we do oh we did an old DeKalb song People Magazine yeah from the musical The Life um so we did that. I was writing all the arrangements. Right. We did three competitions. We went to um, Milton, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. And it was the first time they ever did a showgirl contest. It was so, there were so many funny things. Oh, I'm sure. But they did a great job. Yeah. Um, we stayed and watched the finals Good. and the kids are just like in awe. I mean, they're like, They've never seen anything like that in their life. They were just like kids in a candy store. Isn't they that thought what it was the coolest thing. Yes. Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. I've yearned for those days sometimes mm-hmm. when. Yeah. Anyways, so and then we went to Mantino. Okay. And then they won. It was like it was shocking. <laughs> Second thing out the gate. And we went to Sullivan. I just remember this very year, first year so vividly. And then Sullivan, literally that year, it was like Attaché, Swing Stations, oh, so Eisenhowerly Energy, Troy Buchanan. Like, it was literally like the best education I could give those children. Mm-hmm. And actually, at Mantino, I remember Nancy Bochek was like, watch every group. Like, you need to sit in there and watch every group. And learn everything you can from all because those they were babies. They had no. I mean, they were literally seniors in high school, but they were show choir babies. Totally, they just had no clue. So we went to Sullivan, and I still remember. I can see. I can see Meg Carroll. Oh, she's in, in that age group. Okay. Oh, she was a freshman. Okay. Meg Carroll in braces, and these ugly like long sleeve t shirts that they had. They weren't, I mean, they were probably cute then. Yeah. Um, anyways, but they, I just remember them all staying for finals and being like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Absolutely. Like, I can't, how, do, how do all these kids sing like this? Like, they're Mount Zion. They were like, I mean, that was like, uh, I mean, they did, um, oh God, I can't remember that ballad. Love what Heels. It? Love Heels. Love Heels from the oh, Red yes. movie soundtrack and just so many amazing solos. And my kids were like, how do they have so many good singers? Like, this is unbelievable. And they were just shock and awe, shock and mm-hmm. awe, shock and awe. Um, yeah. And then, I don't know, the rest flies by really fast. The next year, they went back to Milton and then they won. Yeah. And that kind of was like a 
then everything kind of skyrocketed from right. there. Yeah, they really started to to click in because I mean, when I think about uh, that, I think of when I think of your groups that's different and that sticks out for me is that the kids are singing in a way that is, first of all, stylistically appropriate to whatever style they're doing. Like it changes per song, which is not something we see consistently and we need to. So like that was something that I always like highly respected about it. Secondly, they you did such a great job of picking things that really and I, I know I just keep saying the word diverse, but like they really were diverse. Like it wasn't like oh, we're going to have a pop song and then a different style of a pop song and then a third kind of different pop song. And then, you know, it was like, I'm thinking about the simple gifts here, for example. It's simple gifts, which is, you know, a Quaker hymn and all of that. And then it's Kirk Franklin, you know, and then it's like, that was, I loved that about your shows. And I think that that's sometimes missing for people. There's several things about that. Like the first time I really felt... Like I settled, I was starting to settle into, well, Eric Van Cleve very early on did a clinic with us and he said, we, as the year we did like Pokerama and like, listen, oh, listen, that was T. Wilson, who's a Hamilton, mm-hmm. was the soloist. And we, oh, Ty Tribbett, it was Ty Tribbett year. Oh, okay. Liked. Yes, I know what we're talking about then, yeah. Um, but he was like, who, who are you? Like, he was like... <laughs> I'm, I'm quoting a draft of gorgeous right now. <laughs> who are you? Who, are you? who <laughs> are you? But he goes, what's your identity? Like, I don't get who you are. Like, you come out and do this gospel thing. And then you go into, like, polka, literally with, like, Viking helmets with braided pigtails. And um, I just wanted to do a variety, but there wasn't any, like, sense. I just didn't. It was different for me and new. And it was kind of what I was used to, but also... And then the polka thing was like Dwight. Oh my God, Dwight is just a master of comedy. He's a master of everything. But oh, what the year would that be? God, I'm taking so long. This is when I felt that thy worlds, because we did that gospel piece mm-hmm. the year before the Ty Tribbett thing. Well, one, actually, yeah. the year before that was Kirk Franklin. That that's we the first one I think I've of. I've been looking for you. Yep. I, I was like, well, wait. How does the stuff that I'm doing in the choirs during the day? Because those choirs are strictly after school. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not everybody knows that. So, like, Soundcheck only met Monday nights for three hours. Right. From six to nine. If we had a competition or, like, a performance, a concert, we would add a Thursday rehearsal. God, literally once um, a week for three hours? So. That's very little comparatively. They had to work hard. Yeah. And I worked very hard. You can ask them. Um, <laughs> I'll check with Bank. With love, with love, with love. Yeah. But I mean, but they were learning how to read music and they were learning different styles mm-hmm. and all of those musical things during the school day. Mm-hmm. So it, it it reduces a large amount of time. I mean, those sure. kids would learn music very quickly. Yeah. I'm not saying that to be whatever. I'm just, it's, yeah. It so it just is what it is. So we had very efficient rehearsals. There's not sitting around. We started at six o'clock. There were times when early on when that was not a thing. And I would, this is like a famous era of when I would lock the door um, at six o'clock lock and like four tardies and you're sitting on the bench. Good so for you, um, you got to have a high standard. You so do. I'm not going to yeah. start a rehearsal at six ish. Gonna start six. No, I I think um, that's fabulous, and I think everyone should do those sorts of things. I and if a, if a kid has a legit thing, that's different. Like in the fall, 
the soccer players, football players, volleyball players, like, I, like, of course, right. like that's all worked out ahead of time. Be responsible. But the child who takes a nap and then is four minutes late to rehearsal every time. Like, no, bye. No one, no one is that valuable. Yes. Sorry Thank about you. it. Thank you. No, I'm I'm here for that. I mean, everyone is valuable, but no one is so valuable that they can be above. That's selfish is what that is. The group. Yeah. So anyways, so that next year after that was when I was like, okay, all these things that I'm doing during the school day and the things I'm doing in Mosaic, like, why am I not doing that? I mean, I'm kind of doing it in show choir, but like, let's really go there. Yeah. So then, um, we did a whole like medley of Bollywood music because mm-hmm. I had um, several, I had a couple um, girls of Indian descent that were fear, like fierce singers, yeah. fierce dancer. This one girl, Molly Nikarta, who mm-hmm. lives in San Francisco now and is doing great things. She, um, she danced with this Natia dance company in Chicago, which is a like professional level so um, Indian dance company. So I was like, well, I should be like all this stuff that I learned at Chicago Children's Square. Basically, here's our full circle mm-hmm. um, that I'm doing during the day that I'm doing with Mosaic. Like, why don't I do the show choir? Right. So it was that. Then we did this whole like Alexander's ragtime band around the world that I had seen on a it's from an old movie. I didn't make that up. People think I made that up. Oh, it's from like an old. Um, I thought Maryland you made that Monroe. up. It's from a movie musical. It's from, um, no, it's from the movie Alexander's Ragtime Band. Oh, well. That That's an actual, yes. like, old movie musical. And in it, they do that version where it's, like, Scotland and France yep. and, uh, like, all that stuff. And then, the, so then there's, like, the moment. Oh, I did insert the moment as we're honoring everyone's cultures and learning more about each other through music, Chicago mm-hmm. Children's Choir. <laughs> there was, like, a Latin section of that. I made that up. Okay. Okay. And then that soloist is Chris Pucci, mm-hmm. who was born in Venezuela, actually, and came to the United States at about 10 years old, I think, and um, went to MIT. He's wow. like going to be a. Oh, yeah. He's going to be a doctor of oncology and literally has not paid a dime for. Like, who goes to medical school for free? No one. Um, literally no one. <laughs> only a genius. Just this like child. brilliant genius who can sing his face off, by the way. Um, so that, and then, so I like, there was like this identity forming of like, oh, we're doing this like kind of international thing. And then, then like at the end, it went into like Beyonce. <laughs> because Beyonce. So yeah. <laughs> but true to the style, Beyonce. Right. So, Thank you. That's kind um, of my point in bringing that up earlier. So I always would just, I thought that variety was on a surface level entertaining for I agree. You, you, there's so many sides to how you pick repertoire and there you have, it's about the kids like first and foremost, but there are all kinds of other considerations. Mm-hmm. It's about the audience, like who's in your audience, like in the, for your school concerts, the audience is typically parents and families. Like what things do I want to educate them on? Right. You have a literal captive audience. What do you want to tell them? At a show court competition, it's people that have been sitting there for like hours <laughs> and um, you can only show what these kids can do in a tiny like snippet. So to me, like the variety thing is it's first of all, Kate was born out of this philosophy of honoring diversity, mm-hmm. of helping the kids learn more about themselves and about each other. 
through music. Also, like, how to provide something that's captivating and not boring, like, for a wide variety of audiences. And there's so many people in that audience. Like, how can I hit, like, every... Yeah. Can I find just one moment that everybody's going to like? Totally. Because that's a part of the learning, too. Like, musicians and performers, the audience is a part of that, even though we're in an educational field. Yes. Um, It's mostly about the students, but part of their learning is learning about the role of the audience. Um, I agree. So I like just, I thought it just taught the kids more to learn all those things. And then just the stylistic authenticity part is just came from the children's choir and from those kind of specificities that had to do with doing all of those different types of music. And I learned that. And then like the comedy thing, honestly, I just wanted to force Dwight to do a comedy number. (laughs) Right. because Because we love Dwight's comedy numbers. Yeah. Um, he doesn't like doing them and so they're them. brilliant every time. Yes. So, um, brilliant. I mean, he will just stress out completely. So I just like, what's your vision for this? What's your vision? I just, I need help with this. Like, I just can't see it. Like, I don't know. what. And then he, and then it's like something crazy. And like, you're like, see, it was fine. <laughs> well, that's, I pick all the music. I'm yeah. a, I don't know if I'm a control freak, but, um, no, I think there's still, the past, because I was changing. so grown up in that field and I n- felt like I knew what I was doing to some extent. I was gonna say, like, you're comfortable picking your own music. I'm, that's exactly right. Like I'm open to collaboration mm-hmm. with everybody and everyone, like anyone mm-hmm. and everyone, but I'm going to live this all year and I'm a teacher and I'm guiding a curriculum. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to pick some music. I'm going to pick like, well, this is more like, I mean, Dwight would come in and teach a song on like a Tuesday yeah. night and leave and in three hours. So there's not time to block. So I'm blocking everything. Mm-hmm. I'm drawing the pictures. Like I'm making all the charts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I love that Dwight respects me that much. And yes. our working relationship is really special. Like it's really, really, really special. And I, I mean, I feel like we're, when we're in the room together, like we're on this, we're the same, which is really to be a student at 15 years old and to idolize someone like yeah. that. And then to, to have him ask me like, it, what do you think of this, Mark? Is it okay for me to do this? To ask my permission your, your little to do things with heart. my children. Like I, in the moment we're just working, but when I think about it, it's, I mean, I get choked up because it's literally, mm, I can't. Um, Before I forget, I want to make sure I ask you the last question I have on my list, which is that, um, so you posted, (laughs) you're going to love this. You posted this on Facebook like three years ago and I screenshot this at the time and I think about it all the time because I think I'm, it's such a relevant question and so I'm literally so nervous. No, it's wonderful. It's okay. So this is back from 2017 and you had clearly just had a conversation with a former student um about him being a music major. And 
what you put on Facebook was, why do we insist on making the pathway to becoming a music educator so narrow and specific to one type of music making, learning, and teaching? There are so many brilliant young musicians who would be absolutely incredible teachers and role models, but are completely discouraged. Promoting diversity and inclusion in our profession will require a willingness to broaden our perspectives and make tangible changes. Diversity statements with lots of fancy words are meaningless if not accompanied by action. So like that's three years Wow, that's happening today. That's my point. That's three years ago. It's happening right this instant. Oh my god! If you repost that, I would look so smart. I I will I will repost it for you. I will go back because now I know where it is. So, but that I'm not kidding. I think about it all the time. You shifted my perspective on that notion because I will tell you, and this is saying this as like a white girl who grew up in the Midwest. So obviously, this is not necessarily what you were discussing in this moment, but um. I struggled so much with completing a music ed curriculum, I felt like. Um, mm-hmm. There was so much about it that didn't match my personal experiences. And of course, I don't have any trouble with going back and studying history to learn where we are today from where we came from. But that history is so narrow. And it speaks to only this tiny little thread of music throughout the course of time and humanity. And mm-hmm. something about the way you wrote that just kind of snapped my eyes open. And I thought, that is so true. There are so many kids coming from different musical experiences and different levels of learning throughout their K-12 experience who would be phenomenal music educators who are being excluded from that process because of the way that we have it set up. I have one right now and she is teaching. So I'm not going to say her name because I don't want to put this out in the universe there in case she doesn't want this. But I've got a former student right now who was not able to finish her music ed degree. And it's one of the greatest travesties, I think, because she is the best teacher ever and she would have been phenomenal in the music classroom. So Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about um, kind of just your thought on that. If you're three years ago self and where you're at now with that. Well, I mean, I would say the time I took time off to complete my well, not to complete. I mean, to do the one year master's program at Northwestern. That experience there and taking some outside classes too. I took an African American studies class called Decolonizing Chicago. Chicago and like it was just mind blowing. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, why did I do my masters earlier? But I will say, I'm saying this loud and clear to everyone, is that. I mean, I wish I would have done my master's earlier, but I realized if I had done a master's straight out of my bachelor's, what a mistake that would be. Yes, yes. Because my master's degree was so much about reflecting on my teaching. Amen. And how to, and to have a master's and have nothing to reflect on. Mm-hmm. I get it. Like I went to school with some like in, like people that did performance degrees and then they decided they wanted to do education. So they got a master's. Right, but, but that's to get a different. In music ed, and then go into a master's of music ed. I literally can't no. see any situation where that would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, other than you're just like delaying your entry into the real world and <laughs> compiling more debt. Right. So that's I'm really yeah. Anyway, I'm glad so you did it when you did it. I wish I would have done it slightly earlier, but so that reflective yeah. thing, that statement that I made is a post master's degree statement. Right. I, I don't know. I, I kind of did those things, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And even as I talk about some of these things that I was doing, I didn't 
really know what I was doing when I was doing it. Mm -hmm. And then when I took a year to reflect, I was like, and we're reading all these things. And I was like, oh, this is best practices. Oh, I did that. I did that. I did that. Oh, I should have done this, though, too. But it's cool to, like, look at research finally and and go, oh, duh. All right. I did, you know. So um, I just wasn't aware always of what I was doing, I think. And so that quote is my like conscious like i had a conscious self now that was like yeah i'm literally doing like i want to honor all these different types of music um because it's actually pedagogically sound yes Um, and uh, no not only about validating kids identities and learning more about each other but like being better musicians Mm -hmm. like if you can do all these different styles and you know how to improvise and you know how to you know treat this phrase in a pop song but then like be completely straight in terms of your approach to pitch and something that's like western european right classic canon like whoa like that's a versatile singer and it's a broad thinker like a person that can realize multiple ways to achieve an outcome which is like a real issue with adults right yes. now um oh and gosh. with like the polarization of society and all it's like my way or the highway there's only this one way to do it and nothing else and that's just not humans can't do it I think that's just so wrong yes. it's so counterintuitive to who we are mm-hmm. as human beings so um going back to that quote um Yeah, so I just saw, like, why are the only avenue to teaching children about music is becoming a classically trained musician, basically. And the only way to enter into that world is perform two contrasting selections, you know, one from the art song tradition, and one should be in a, you know, a foreign language. Now, that wording is also problematic. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I see what's actually done with kids, like with teaching kids about music, I like an elementary school music teacher that's doing like folk dances mm-hmm. and singing folk songs and banging on orf instruments. And why, why do they need to be able to sing Carol Mio Ben, like to be a, to do that and to love kids and to make them be better humans? Like it's really, it's absolutely ridiculous and it's just a reflection of like a racist society. I'm just going to go there. Yeah, you should. Just, there's one, we learn history in one way. We learn writing in one way through the writing of like British literature and like the, the, the genealogy of this country from a colonial colonizing perspective mm-hmm. of one um, and people are like, oh, there are all kinds of European cultures, but but whiteness is like this default way to be, where if you can fall under the umbrella of whiteness, then that is the default, and it does become homogenized into mm-hmm. one way of thinking, and it's a very narrow way of thinking about history. It's why people don't really understand history. Like, they didn't really get taught. It's like, Reconstruction, that was a time of progress the slaves were freed, but we don't talk about like during this time, the Ku Klux Klan arose and, um, you know, the, 
Jim Crow laws. Like, it's just, we leave that stuff out because we tell it from the perspective of the triumphant white man, basically. Or or when it's told, it's told in a way where there's resolution to it. Right. Where like, oh, well, slavery was over and and Lincoln freed the slaves. So it's done. Ding, ding, ding. Like, that's that's the way you're getting it, if, if you're getting it at all. So that's a whole other podcast. So the well, but it's very relevant and related to this. No, for sure. Yeah, the implications for the university system um, and music and how it's treated are deep, mm-hmm. and we exclude people who don't process and learn music. And this is not just like a race thing either. No, it's it's a different learning style thing too. Everything. It's about different learning styles. It's about. But it is about like musical traditions of the world that come to this country and syncretize with the, with other cultures, but still retain mm-hmm. um, the their origins in some ways. So, like the approach to pitch, for instance, I mean, I, my special, I may mean, have the most knowledge in Afrocentric musics and musics of the African diaspora mm-hmm. um, and African-American music because I decided I wanted to be educated on that right? because um, I wanted to do a better job. Mm-hmm. So and the, the approach to pitch is just completely different. And the approach to tone quality and timbre of like what create, what is beauty? Just yes. the question of what is beauty is different in Western European thought than it is in African thought, mm-hmm. than it is in... Asian Eastern cultures like it's it's they're different like just the definite what is beauty beauty is a ambiguous word in in African cultures in Western European it's like you there's a standard you know mm-hmm. for beauty and it's like so there's this one tone quality that is the standard of beauty for tone quality right and there's there is slight variation in that. Like, I don't want to say that that's just, there's variation, but, it, but we're in an, in an African approach to music making and sound. Um, contrast is, is highly valued. So mm-hmm. like if something is raspy, that's good. Like if it's a, you know, if your voice breaks and you flip into this like head tone, that's very fl- floaty out of a really, heavy mechanism like we would you know call it chest voice sometimes or whatever sure like that that's there's a beauty in that and when you hear that you go oh that sounds good but in like a a, an art song approach to that like it's all about blending the registers right it's like you you don't want to hear the passaggio you don't want like you must blend through that and learn how to it's a totally different approach to Mm -hmm. sound but um when you hold one of those on high and say this is the gold standard, then that is saying everything else you've othered is less. these other musical yes. groups, which means you're also othering groups of people and cultural identities. And there's a huge problem with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that the standards of being a classical performance artist, which I know many, and I think they're amazing and I don't, <laughs> and there are classical musicians from every kind of racial, ethnic, background and it's a beautiful thing if that's what you decide you want to specialize in we're not demonizing that that's not the point no no not at all but when you're a teacher to me you're supposed to be teaching everything Mm -hmm. so why does it matter that you are trained to be an opera singer when you're going to be a classroom teacher like that's not oh 
That right I there, that it. statement. That's the winning it's statement. Here. That is the full description of my own personal frustration with the system is why are we training kids to be classical or opera performers if they're going to go teach high school choral music that makes literally no sense to me like and it's wrong like they need to know that of course they should learn what it's like to be an opera singer but not at the exclusion that of yes. other things yes and there's only so much time in a college curriculum and i get that but we're spending 90 no, percent of it on this tiny narrow focus thank you for that that was i feel like that is a huge part of what i wanted to make sure you and i talked about today. and then like so what's the rest being done in the choirs that these people we gain most of our knowledge as choral educators from our like choral performance yep. experience too so what things are we gleaning from that and there's pressure i mean it's so deep it's so deep oh, in yeah. like organize professional organizations and what's expected if you're gonna you know be accepted to perform on a on a conference or on a you know like it just seeps into everything and it's mm -hmm. hard to and this is the problem like that we're talking about in society right now is like what we're talking about with music pervades every um every, every part of the world mm -hmm. and everybody's like trying to knock on knock in you know knock on that door and get let in um and it's like we need to blow up the house yeah yeah <laughs> instead of trying the to door. like <laughs> instead of trying to like get into this exclusive club like this it's respectability politics i mean there's yeah. a whole thing about this but um, like we just need to some ways we, we need to dismantle and rebuild so, and I don't mean literally in this time. I mean, there's a whole issue with destruction of property sure. and that's literally, I'm We're speaking in metaphorical, I'm speaking in metaphorical terms, yes. like in terms of systems and ways of thought, like thought processes um, and value systems that we need to, in some way, we need to dismantle mm -hmm. and rebuild. Um, and it's really hard for people to, face up to that well, and for a lot of people it means relinquishing power um that's and that's a problem yeah and but it but recognizing that it needs to happen is the first step and conversations like this are the first step to recognizing it needs to happen because there's a lot of people that aren't aware that this is even an issue because they're um being serviced by it and so why why look at it as a problem if it's working for you um it's not working for a lot of people so i'm glad i'm glad that you said that three years ago and that it stuck with me and that we can have this conversation about it because yeah i think we need to do this more yeah and ultimately like that belief system i needed i wanted to be somewhere as a teacher mm -hmm. um and a conductor that I felt like I fit in with that. Mm -hmm. um, well, let's talk about what you're doing right now. Are you feeling like you're getting that? And so I so Chicago Children's Choir. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you uh, and back, back to, to Chicago Children's Choir. <laughs> back to the beginning of the story. That's right. So yeah, so I accepted a position here as associate artistic director, mm -hmm. and some of the things that I was wanting to get into were mentoring pre-service teachers. Sure. Um, when I was thinking about the university professor route, which I kind of have honestly put that out of my mind now. Yeah. Um, so I work with a staff of, by and large, younger than me, not all. Some are the same age, some are a little bit older, conductors. Um, we have, at this point, 13 conductors. Oh, wow. 
at Chicago Children's Choir, plus myself, Judy Hansen, Senior Associate Artistic Director, and Joe Stanley, the Artistic Director. So there's actually 16 of us. Okay. Um, but 13 who work in a really complex network of neighborhood after school programs based on 11 different neighborhoods across the city mm-hmm. with multiple levels, two to three choirs. Most of them have three choirs at every neighborhood. Wow. And then 92 schools with over 100 choirs in those 92 schools, which amounts to 5,000 children. Um, so I get have the opportunity and the honor to guide um, the work that we do with those conductors. And I go watch them teach and um, try to be an advisor and a mentor to them and help them. Um, and then, I mean, also down the road, I mean, we've presented a couple of music educator workshops. Um, one was uh, South African singing, which was facilitated by my colleague, Molly Stone, um, who is really has been to the, to South Africa several times um, and learned from teachers there. And one of her colleagues, Bongani Magatiana, came and taught us some things and taught college kids and alumni and all kinds of people this um, rich um, repertoire of South African choral music, Black South African choral music. Okay. That's a distinction. Important Sorry. distinction, yeah. <laughs> um, and we did another workshop on changing voice um, with the emerging center baritone voice. Um, I digress. So it's a broad scope of things that we're doing here and the vision continues to expand and grow. And this is what I love about this apart from like, in contrast to being at a school, I love being a school teacher. I miss like being with kids like all day long, every day. (laughs) There's something so cool about that. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a lot of like red tape and um, administrative work that is so much exhausting yeah. so i don't have that now um i get to focus on music yeah. and develop programming and we have people that assist us with taking attendance and assist us with parent communication and assist us with a number of things which is beautiful amazing. Um, and so we're the, this covid era has been really challenging because we go into a number of, well, every zip code in Chicago, basically, and mm-hmm. provides programming, uh, which means we are dealing with um, children that live in, like, mansions um, on the lakeshore, yeah. and their parents are just, like, anyways, they have many resources. It does yes. not mean that they don't have problems. Sure. They have many of the same problems that that their classmates have. Um, in other socioeconomic situations and but different money ones is not their problem. Yeah. scarier um, in ways. And, but yes, so yes, it's not a problem, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're, we're so worried about kids having access to resources, um, having Wi-Fi at home, having devices, yeah. all of those things. But I mean, the kids love it so much that they still... I'm going to say, like, I feel like teachers are having a hard time getting kids engaged, not because they're not good teachers, but because that whole online thing is so, it's rough. Yeah. Like, I don't look at a screen all day. No. I mean, I've been doing that actually for a couple of months and I'm losing it. It's terrible. Um, yeah. Honestly, like, I've had, like, breakdowns a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But uh, these kids love it so much. I mean, literally, 
the only device in that home with, you know, five kids and <laughs> like the parents are there and there's one phone or two phones. And so they they show up for choir um, oh, and mom's in the bed sweet. and like, <laughs> and our fifth grade student is holding up the phone and little brother's on the bed too. And it's like the family's there for the choir Zoom session. Love it. Um, <laughs> So the amazing thing has been that we still are seeing all those kids and they still are engaged, which I think really speaks to how much they love it. And it's not a hundred percent participation. I mean, don't get me wrong, but it is the majority of the kids um, and they're still doing it. So we um, have just been trying to figure out ways of reinventing ourselves. And instead of getting frustrated, um, like, well, what does this open up? Like, what new avenues does this open up? Right. Oh, we can have, like, this fireside chat series where we have people from around the world, basically, that we would have to fly in, like, pay some crazy yeah. fee. Oh, my gosh, we can just d- d- dial them up. Zoom them in. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's crazy. So, um, Marin Alsop. <laughs> like, yeah, world's nuts. Like, Right? Like, oh, she can just do a chat on Zoom with all of her kids. Great. Um, and composition projects and these virtual choirs, which the we are, I, I'm going to be, I mean, I'm going to be obvious about this. We have, you know, outside help, editors that help put all this stuff together. Mm-hmm. It's been easier for us than just for, like, I'm a school teacher and I have to sit at a computer for hours and put stuff together. So I'll be honest about that. Because mm-hmm. um, we're involving lots of different direct, like lots of different conductors, sure. and we are investing in those things. So, but the process actually has been a learning. Pro- I've seen kids improve vocally um, over the course of preparing virtual choir videos. Because yeah, it's, still it's hard. if you haven't done one yet, yeah. you guys, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Like to listen to this track in your ear, uh, yeah. try to make it sound good. And then we've tricked them, you know, we've tricked them because they go back and watch the video and they go, and then it's self-assessment. And they're like, oh, I sound terrible. I need to do this again. (laughs) Look at us making them into independent learners. It's actually been a blessing for many of them. They have been self-assessing. They've been finding, like been critical of their performances, finding ways to fix the errors finding ways to improve upon the performance. This is what we're trying to do with kids. Yeah. Um, and so in this setting where I'm not, they're like holding their hand, they are doing self learn. Like it's literally the gold standard of learning, teaching mm-hmm. and learning. Now there are kinks in that. Like, I'm not going to say this is perfect. Not every child has turned in five videos. Sure. Some have only sure. done one. Some have done three. Some have done zero. Yeah. Um, but it's been like, it's been actually really, really cool. And we've done improv exercises that we never have time for, yeah. like some self-reading things that we never have time for, because um, we only see those kids like twice a week. Right. It's not like every day they have school. Um, so it's been really amazing. And then we force ourselves to do different things. We have this huge Paint the Town Red concert every year at the end of the year, Millennium Park, Fisker Pavilion. Literally, we get all the 5,000 kids together. That's amazing. And it looks like a red it's like an army of red shirts. It's um, amazing. Four thousand kids in red polo shirts. There's some pictures that are online, but it's 
hysterical and weird and beautiful. Yeah. Because they're all singing together. I've Googled it. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So I just start singing Army at 5,000. We're going to take over the world. Um, but we couldn't do that. So it was yeah. like, how are we going to deliver an experience like this? So we did this virtual concert that was some of the virtual choir things. We took old footage and did you know sing-along lyrics like the disney sing-along we we're like i was inspired by that mm-hmm. and we all worked on that and then we could have guests you know sometimes we'd invite one guest yeah to show up at the concert and be like hey kids we're doing this great guess what when all that common has to do is literally record a video on his phone and just email it to us that's, that's easy easy yeah common. Chance the Rapper. I was like, going to say, did Chance Kurt the Rapper Elling. do one? Yes. Kurt Elling. Um, the Philharmonic, which some people know from Show Camp. Amazing. Peter Cottontail, who's like, um, he's Chance's producer and he's doing his own music. You need to listen to that album, by the way. Okay. Peter Cottontail, you spell it T-A-L-E at the end. And the album is Catch. Okay. It's brilliant. Um, and the mayor of the city of Chicago. I mean, literally like talking to the kids on the couch with their wife. <laughs> With the captions. What like, a neat thing they would not get, for sure, any other time. No. And we did all these music videos, and we sent things to the kids in the mail. We sent them with these little flags they could wave. That's and cool. song sheets and the little coloring page that had, like, a crossword puzzle, a Instagram, or like, a word search. You've basically um, so- just given every choir director who's listening to this 15 ideas for what you can do if you don't end up in person with your choir next year. Yes, and that's the workshop I'm going to give. It's going to be just fine. That's the workshop I'm going to give it. Virtual SCA. I noticed that. And when is SCA, (laughs) sir, this year? Tell us about it. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be in July. I've looked at so many dates in July that I forget now. I think it's the 12th. Yes. The 12th. Yes. Um, Yeah. I mean, we're going to do the thing. We're going to still do the thing. It's It's going to be awesome. I'm registered for the teacher session and I know kids are registering for the, for the kid version of it. It'll be different, but it's going to be so cool. Oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be all the same people. It's going to be all the same content. You're going to be able to connect with more kids, Mm -hmm. honestly, and more directors from, uh, there's always been this like dividing line in the middle of the United States that Ohio is New England, Ohio, mm-hmm. Indiana, um, you know, we get people from the South that come to both camps. Um, oh, that's so true. I know and, so few people from that side of the choir. Yeah. Also with the dates, it's like some people got to school early or later. Yep. So it's like the Arizona kids come to Ohio. Yep. And then like at Millican, that's your, your Illinois kids. It's Wisconsin and Minnesota and Nebraska and Iowa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's like there's always this, even though you get to connect with all those kids, now it's like, hey, parties up and everybody the same way. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> like, I, I literally can't wait. It's going to be so pr- I mean, the price is ridiculous. Yeah. There are, I've looked at like seminars. This is ridiculous. Like professional education seminars that have gone online and they haven't even changed the price. Yeah. It's like unbelievable. Yeah. So anyways, no, it's I don't, going to be amazing. I hope it doesn't sound like I'm blatantly like advertising, but I don't think people really realize. So after the paint the town red thing, we're presenting another virtual concert next week for Juneteenth. Yes. Um, it is called a new freedom. Um, Black voices honoring Juneteenth and a time of struggle. Um, so it features 
black alumni from Chicago Children's Choir who have gone on into the realms of opera, musical mm-hmm. theater, pop music, um, you name it, gospel singers. They're un- an unbelievable roster. Like, I can't even believe the people that just were like, absolutely, yes, we will do this. That's Isn't how that much the means to them. And we are like, we have we are like throwing all of this together and where it's like we have a fox news segment next week abc or nbc um wbez like public radio is going to do a segment like it's huge so it's next friday 6 p.m and where can we watch uh, it if we're not in chicago june 19th it's on facebook and youtube well that's the only place people can watch it Duh, obviously facebook and youtube um chicago children's choir Okay. Um, I'll put the link, I'm going to put the link in the description so you guys can click the link below here and you can you can check that out okay five questions let's All right. do this five questions everybody gets asked okay so first question is a softball just to get you going so what is your favorite type of entertainment like when you're chilling do you like to watch movies do you like to go to live shows listen to music what's your favorite type of when entertainment I'm chilling? Oh, free time for sure. Um, like I can't pick one platform: Netflix, <laughs> Hulu, Disney Plus. Just zoning out on streaming services. All of the above. Yep. yep, I love that answer. That is me to the core. Okay, second question. This is what is your favorite show choir show that you've ever seen? You can't have had anything to do with it. Oh, it God. could be video too if you didn't see it live. And most people have too. I have a hundred million. Can you pick like one out of that air? <laughs> okay, Mount Zion Swing Stations, nineteen ninety four. That's one. Okay. Yellow suits and pink dresses. Nice. Um, I should probably just end it there. Okay, I think that that's a great example, and I go through and find them on YouTube if they're there, and put the link in the description. So again, you can click that, guys, so you can see what Mark's talking about. Favorite show that you've ever been a part of, that you've ever worked on? So, show choir like, show, preferably. Choir yeah, preferably show choir show. Um, and sometimes we definitely need to for this as, as professionals. I don't know. The first thing that pops my head is not a show choir show, it's a musical. Um, okay, you can say that too. Can I say, well, In the Heights? Oh, well, the, yeah, if you worked on In the Heights, yeah. It's the best thing. I ever did at that I school. I can't even talk about that show without almost crying. Like, just the words. Like, I, I have such a deep emotional just, like, I love that show so much. And I never got to direct it. Amazing. And I think it's better than Hamilton. Sorry about it. I, okay. I You and I can have a conversation about that where I would agree with you in large parts. Yes. Like, no, I can't talk about it. I'm just going to start crying. Okay. What about show choir shows? Show. I can't. This is a weird answer. It's going to feel like I'm deflecting the question. Okay, I'm for it. But it's honestly like the first, if you ask like my gut unfiltered response to that, it's the show, it's the first show that I didn't direct, that I helped plan. So you were not the director there at that time. It's when you were in select Like, I, yeah, I was working, like Seth and I, what was that 2016 16 yeah and 
but there's so many shows that I love so much. That is what everyone feels like. That's why it's a hard question. I can't, but there's something about like putting that together and then just like releasing it to the world, like releasing it to Seth and the kids. Mm -hmm. And they were, I'm sorry, they were unbelievable. Like they were amazing. I mean, I think that show was killer. Yeah. I, I and I people who would agree. Yep. was like pivotal in its inception and I just kind of blessed it and gave it away. Yeah. And, that's and it special. was, yeah. And I got to sit in an audience and watch those kids perform, which never happens, right? Kids, you knew that you really, that I loved yes. so much. Yes. And yes. so I don't know, like it's, that's a weird answer. It's a weird answer. I don't think so. I get it. I think if you've ever had the opportunity was, to do anything sort of like what you're talking about, I think those of us who've done that totally get that. And uh, Seth was my student teacher. Mm-hmm. I've known him since he was a babe. Yeah. Like, it was, I was just really. There's a lot of emotion wrapped up in that for you. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I totally get that. Okay. Can you remember the songs you did in your senior year of high school's show? Oh, absolutely. I can rattle do them it. off. Do it. List them. Here we go. Cross the line from Big was the opener. Yes. The second number was Making Memories, which is like a Disney. Of course it was. It's like a song from the Magic Kingdom from some like. Parade probably, yeah. Kodak Pavilion or so, I don't know, like something random. Um, the ballad was Someday from Hunchback of Notre Dame because I helped. I arranged it. Oh. Um, the... Oh, now I'm blanking. Um, what happened after that? Oh my gosh. Nothing. You just walked off stage. That was it. No, the closer was <laughs> Peace and Love Incorporated and Oh, yes. Million Watts of Love. Okay. Oh, I remember the fourth number was a TV. It was called the TV Love Medley. Oh, wonderful. Was the Love Boat song in it? Uh, yes, it was, and it was arranged by Joshua Green. Oh, God. Really? That's mm-hmm. random. Oh, well, no, he arranged for us when I was in high school. He's from Indiana. I know, but I just, I yeah, that's just very interesting. That you just weren't expecting that. Yeah. I think my entire junior year show he arranged. How about that? Well, you learn something new every day. So the fourth number was... I mean, I'm just saying, this is the beginnings of Josh Green's, like, crazy medley of, like, go from one song to another in two seconds and somehow make it work. He times a million. started with y'all. It was a medley of, like, it was, like, the love boat and, oh, God, what else was in? It was called the TV love medley. I remember the love boat. Well, again, uh, I'm going to look up and see if there's a video of this. Because this would have been, what, 1990. 1997. Seven, right? Yeah. We had gigantic gold glitter hearts that we danced with. Of course you did. I love everything about that. And again, 90s. <laughs> yeah. This is a special time, guys. Um, okay, last question for you. Final question. Oh, and then, yeah. Yeah. That's it. In 10 words or less, and then you can elaborate if you want to. Oh, God. This is... most embarrassing moment on stage. 
I honestly don't have an embarrassing moment on stage. Really? I have an embarrassing moment in front of a group of children on that stage. That would still count. Go ahead and 10 words or less. 10 words or less. Yes. I wouldn't even talk about the fact that I was a show choreographer camp choreographer um, for the junior high group um, for many years. And well, now I did. the children just weren't jumping with enough energy. And I needed to demonstrate the proper jump. And I just jumped my shorts right off my back <laughs> in front of junior, the junior high group. Oh, my gosh. I never picked up a pair of shorts so quickly in my life. Don't worry, I was properly <laughs> clothed. <laughs> clothed with undergarments. Um, that is, we have not had that type of a story yet. So you're winning on that. Um, we've had a whole lot of falling down, um, but we have not had almost nudity. Oh, I did. Okay, I thought of the embarrassing showgirl one. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's not that embarrassing. I, I still like the one where your shorts came off. Okay. It's not good, but when we were at Waltham, when I was a freshman in high school, and I was lazy. This just goes to show you, lazy. And I would never do this. We did this thing at the end of the show where it's that thing where the like all of the guys would like fling their arm around and then you catch yourself almost like you're gonna fall. Yes. You catch yourself behind and then you have the other hand up in the air like in Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can make sure, yeah. And it was back in time, so we were doing a we were a clock. So the we we're in a big circle. Here's a circle again. And the girls were all in the middle and the boys were just the outline of the clock and we went down on the ground. And then it was just the girls standing up in the middle. And I just, yeah, I didn't go down. So it was, just, it was marking the girls. <laughs> Did so you at least like land down. a pose and like make I it? I was so afraid of falling down that I just stayed standing. Did you make it like sell it though? Like that was the plan all along? Of course I sold it. I, flipped, I had the bowl cut part on the side. I flipped <laughs> that hair and shot that arm up. Like You're like, I'm owning this <laughs> moment. This is on Me and the girls. Me and the girls. <laughs> I love it. And I was right in the front, slightly off center. Like, in no way, shape, or form did it look right. Would it have made any sense at all for that to be real? I don't know that that's really embarrassing. It just was stupid. It's kind of embarrassing. It's kind of probably stuck in your head. I get that. I think those two things combined are definitely an excellent embarrassment story. But the shorts, definitely. Well, Mark, thank you so much for hanging out and chatting with me. You guys don't know this, but it is like... 11 o'clock at night while he and I are doing this, which normally I interview people in kind of the middle of the day, but both of us were so busy. This was literally like the only chance we had. So, you know, I'm sure there will be stories I had to edit out that you guys didn't get to hear. And I'm sorry for you, but thank you for hanging out. That was super fun. Yeah, you're welcome. It was so fun. Absolutely. We'll have to do it again sometime. And we will all be tuning in to watch the Juneteenth concert on Facebook for the Chicago Children's Choir. Friday, June 19th, 6 p.m. We will be there. Okay, thanks so much for coming.